podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge your glass. This nation is going to dance all night. A brave new era begins. Can a player be electric in the air? Footballing things that raise eyebrows. Dubious inspirational Steven Gerrard quotes. Indie bands sounding like co-commentators. The unstoppable tackles always look worse in slow motion dogma. At what point is a goal or a win allowed to become that goal or that win? The chipping in with goals threshold. A sensational description for a central midfield partnership. And our summer with Richard Keyes. Brought to your ears by Goalhanger Podcasts. This is football cliches. Hello everyone and welcome, or perhaps it's welcome back to Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and you're listening to the first episode of the whole new era for the Clichés pod. For the uninitiated, this is a podcast about the language of football, not just the words and phrases, but the bizarre patterns of behaviour that we all subconsciously stick to when we think about football, when we talk about it, when we watch it, when we play it, whatever. This is a near 20-year obsession for me, so I'm absolutely buzzing to be back to explore it with you. Um, There's so much I could say about how it feels to be back doing this podcast, but as the boys in Doha once put it... The boys are back in town. Our original thinking was right. It's a crowded marketplace and we were stepping aside to leave others a little bit of room to manoeuvre. Yes. Uh, and, and then a trickle became a torrent. Uh, and they weren't requests, they were more demands. So what can you do yeah. other than acquiesce to the public demand? Yeah, boys are back in town then. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, we'll be hearing more from Richie Keyes and Andy Gray later in this show. But this is the first adjudication panel of the new era, of course, and joining me, first of all, is the Athletics' chief and Postacoglu correspondent, is Charlie Eccleshare. Welcome back. Thank you. Good to be back. How many words do you think you've written about Ange Postacoglu so far this season? North of 20,000? It is north. It's well north of 20,000. Do you know the answer? Every single one of them. It's it's around (laughs) 28,000. Wow. You've written a small book about Ange Postacoglu already. I mean, when he was a pointer, I wrote about 10,000, so it was already well on the way. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing left. Nothing left to say. Plenty more to say about this man, though. Co-founder of the Clichés pod, executive producer, I guess. And now, my Sunday league manager, it's the great Dave Walker. Welcome back, you. Almost like I never left, isn't it? Really? (laughs) Stelling-esque, you turn. (laughs) I have seen uh, amidst the um, what, what did Keezy say? Torrent, the mm. torrent of um, of 
uh, communication that we've had since we announced we were coming back. All of it positive, really, uh, which has been great. But there was a couple openly asking whether I made a mockery of the goodbye montage that we put on the last episode. So I understand why people would say that. That's fair enough. But there was some doubt. There was legitimate doubt at the time as to whether I would be coming back or indeed whether the podcast itself would come back. Glad that we've managed to banish those fears. You got to live through all the tributes and everything like that. That's amazing. Also, can I say it's so it's it speaks kind of rich key's subconscious. Torrent, you only ever hear with torrent of abuse. Mm. But he's so that word must be sort of in I his mind it's somewhere. Quite a grey area for him, to be honest. He, get, he gets a lot of feedback, so I imagine it probably muddled in his mind. Um, but yeah. Yeah, just truly wonderful to be back podcasting with you both. Well, here's what's changed and what hasn't really. Nothing's changed. It's goodbye to the Athletic and hello to the goal hanger team who've taken us on. You know, all this time, Charlie, I felt like a League Two club who've been locked out of their own stadium. That's how that's how bad things got for me. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some some chat about, you know, where this fits in football terms from like breakaways. Yeah, I don't know if you have views on that in the kind of, you know, MK Don's... Wimbledon. We keep of. our history. We don't, yeah. we don't necessarily own the back catalogue, but we keep our spiritual history. I think that's fine. And I do we're think we're the same I've... entity. Fe- are we a Phoenix podcast? No, well, yeah, exactly. We're no, we're not. We're not. We've just moved, like, just moved, it's like Spurs moving to their new stadium. That's it. That's it. Right. Okay. Um, also, there's been some suggestion of like, you know, does appearances reset? Absolutely not. And I feel like not. I feel like how Alan Shearer must feel with that Premier League goals record. What about the ones for him that came before the Premier League? I'm, I'm genuinely surprised he doesn't mention that. I think I, I want to make this clear at this very moment, Dave, that, yeah, all, all records are intact. We've inherited the history as well. We've taken that with us because you can't you can't copyright history. Can you? Definitely no, not. You sadly can copyright RSS feeds, but you know, that's <laughs> chat for another day. Let's not dwell on it. Otherwise, we'll get keezy about it. If we mention it again, that will be keys level axe grinding. I hope everyone enjoys the great new artwork, by the way. Um, thanks to friend of the show, Eamon Dalton, for that. I hope we never have to change it again. Well, that's it, really. I mean, Charlie, there was a potential here for kind of a wry... Linum-esque Shouldn't you be at work? Intro to the show But I've just missed doing this pod And I just want to crack on Is that alright with you guys? I know I was expecting that But I guess uh, Yeah I guess we'll have to just Not be too self-indulgent about it Yeah exactly No wryness needed Let's crack on With the very first adjudication panel Of this new era First up Bryn Got in touch Charlie He was watching a game on S4C And he says The commentators have just described players Electric in the air Not sure that's Ooh. possible Can you be electric in the air? <laughs> Electric is only ever really used to do with pace mm. and speed. Could you say he's ele- his finishing's been electric? No. Play? I don't think so. No. I don't I, think you can say anything. I think that you can have other dimensions to being electric, Dave. And like, if you describe a player as electric, it isn't just being quick, although that is a prerequisite. You could be like a tricky winger. And you could have some element of flair about you that would make you electric. Yeah. And of course, you can have an electric atmosphere at a match. His form's been electric of late. Would you Would you use it? I think that is used. I don't, I don't think I would, but he's been electric of late. I mean, again, specifically about a winger, I think. Yeah. Been in um, electric goal scoring form? No. Maybe no. Maybe. Uh, but you can't be electric in the air, Dave. Is that fair? I don't see whether there's anything you could do that really fits that description. I mean, if, I don't know. Make, if you're constantly making really quick darts to the near post and getting a flick on, is this a quick header? That's Headers still can't be quick. Movement before yeah. the aerial <laughs> interaction with the ball. Um, but no, I mean, where can't... do we think where do we think it comes from? Is it kind of sparky? Is that the the derivation? Is that why we talk about electric? 
fairly kind of universal concept of just yeah sort of sparks flying yeah and, yeah quick moving yeah but you can't be electric in the air which is a huge blow to 1752 kite experiment ace benjamin franklin who uh, would beg to differ, I imagine. Right, here's a question for you. Uh, Dave, I'll go to you first. Off the top of your head, what do you reckon the loudest you've ever heard a commentator shout a would-be goal scorer's name? What goal comes to mind when you think of a commentator really screaming a goal scorer's name? I mean, obviously Aguero is like, mm. or Steven Gerrard from, from Tyler. D- or Dini, yeah. Like those, those, those are three good examples. This all... A mere preamble to Josh Healy getting in touch um, with what I believe to be the loudest scream of goal scorer's name by a neutral broadcaster of all time. Here's France Piero striking late with what turned out to be the winner for Athlone Town versus Longford Town in the League of Ireland Division 1. Great ball. France Perrault, unbelievable piece of control. He's in here, Perrault. Perrault! <laughs> <laughs> That's too much. It would be too much, arguably, for an in-house club commentator, Charlie, but for a for a supposedly neutral, league-wide yeah. situation, I think that is actually too loud. Yeah, that's a good point, actually, because the in-house one, like um, Czech Teote, he scored one, the commentator's like in-house shouting his name, that goal against mm-hmm. Arsenal is singing about him. So you kind of expect it there. Impartial, that's very loud, way louder than Aguero or anyone like that. It was in the 87th minute, so... Context... You know, yeah. Should be allowed to be factored in here, shouldn't it? Yeah, it, it, you're right. It did, it did have an air of a club commentator to it. But did, did you detect the little sound afterwards? No. Do you want to listen back, listen back to it again? So just oh. after he's gone big and shouted Pierrot, I don't know whether it's the commentator or maybe it's the co-commentator. It's just a little... <sighs> Great ball. France Perrault, unbelievable piece of control. He's in here, Perrault. Perrault! <laughs> <laughs> a proper horsey one, wasn't it? I don't think that was a of appreciation. I think that was a. Oh no! It's that, yeah, it sounded a disappointment, exasperation rather than awe. I think, but yeah, well spotted. Dave's ear is tuned mm. already to the minor ripples of the language of football. Uh, next up, um, this was tweeted out by Sean Cummins. Here's Neil Warnock on Talksport with Ali McCoist talking about the perils of social media in the most manager of his very particular vintage kind of way you could possibly imagine. They're particularly younger players. Uh, and the reason I'm asking that is that we're talking about these video games and things like that. Are there more, you know... Distractions. Yes, that's the word I was looking yeah, for. Are there more distractions nowadays for them? There are, there are, Ali. I mean, it's, it's not a... It's such a difficult time growing up, I think, at the moment, with there's so many social media things and, and, you know, you get these warriors behind the, the you know, behind these typewriters and, and they're evil. <laughs> Some of the things <laughs> yeah. and it does affect, it's all right saying we don't look at it or we don't. <laughs> that, that to me, I mean, it's the ideal candidate, Charlie, but that to me is the pinnacle of managers talking about social media and getting that, it slightly wrong. Uh, I, I love it. I adore it. I think it's perfect. That is amazing, yeah. Like, fat, you know, yeah, parents who say the wrong thing. It's like, oh, God. Typewriter warriors. <laughs> <laughs> Got this image, David, like an old school hack with his cigarette typing away some abuse and then posting it to someone. Was that ever an expression? Back in the days of yore... When typewriter warriors. Journalists I think that's what's so people good. would have He's... been having a pop at managers in the papers. You're sitting there behind oh, yeah. your typewriter from the comfort of it's your office. Further back. You're sitting there behind, behind your inkwell. Your tablet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your Gutenberg press. Yeah. <laughs> 
Th- this might be a classic case of us thinking we've invented something where actually, yeah, there might be warriors. You think of that as a very modern phrase. Mm, absolutely. All periods of football. Yeah, perhaps. This this is superb. Um, I love, as we always have loved on this podcast, spotting some football speak out in the wild. Uh, this came from listener and indeed cliches regular Michael Cox. It was the story about actor Angela Bassett receiving an honorary Oscar 30 years after she was first nominated. It was uh, it was handed to her for transcendent performances that set new standards in acting. But some fans pointed out that she deserved to have won an Oscar, you know, by right before that. It shouldn't have just been handed to her. She, she, she had the opportunity to win it before that. And um, Chanel Janae, the journalist Chanel Janae, said this, Angela Bassett has quite literally been out acting and acting circles around nearly everyone for the last few decades. <laughs> Which one of those two is the best? I, I mean, out-acting is great. I love all instances of out-somethinging, but acting circles around nearly everyone, Dave, is wonderful. What would be the equivalent, the acting equivalent of being unplayable? <laughs> She's been un, unplay-againstable? <laughs> Just uncastable. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing with unplayable. Unplayable in a good sense is, is hard. That's why an Americans don't use it in that way. But yeah, mm. I don't know what you'd say. Unreviewable. Un- Unreviewable, yes. Yeah, just unreviewable. It's just too good. Couldn't, couldn't get to grips with it. It's just too good. Yeah. Too good. Love it. Unawardable. You can't, you know, she's, yeah. even, she's even beyond that. Apparently so, yeah. Uh, that's true. I would have preferred acting rings around yeah. rather than acting oh, circles okay. around. <laughs> Did they? No, that's that. a very good point. That does need fine-tuning, yes. Anyway, next up, this came from uh, you, in fact, Dave Walker. You were listening to, you, you were watching Danny Mills on Sky Sports News talking about the signing of Kieran Trippier by Newcastle. Many of us were critical when he first went to Newcastle thinking, oh, he's just going there for money. And when he said about this is a project and I want to create something different, I think we all raised one or two eyebrows. <laughs> the more I thought about it, Dave, the more I realised how weird it is. What do you do? You raise you raise an eyebrow at a transfer, but you don't raise both. What happens if you raise both? That would just be surprise. That would still work. You'd be like, oh, wow, I didn't realise that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a big difference, I think, between yeah. raising one or raising two eyebrows. Raise mm. one eyebrow is a curious, hmm, what's going on there then? Raise two, it's, oh, more of, yeah, blimey. more of a neutral thing, isn't it? Two yeah. eyebrows. yeah. One is biased. One eyebrow is biased, Charlie. Two eyebrows is, you know, perfectly um, okay. What what a more sort of genuine, just you're really surprised by it. Yeah. Not in a, not that you have a necessarily an axe to grind. Look at the emojis. If you send the, the little emoji with mm. one raised eyebrow, it's mm. like, mm, what's going on here then? <laughs> if you send the one with the both raised eyebrows and the rosy cheeks, it's sort of embarrassment, sort of surprise. Is it only transfers? that can raise an eyebrow or two? I don't think so. I think um, like team selections can do that as well. Oh, you know, yes. I- I- eyebrows were raised when, you know, Ooh. established left back was dropped for this player. But fast forward three weeks and no one's questioning it now. Excellent. Yeah, very good point. Okay. But yeah, who knew the subtle differences between one or two <laughs> eyebrows? Incredible. Squad selection at a World Cup, I think, or Euros as well. You could have yeah. an eyebrow raising in late in Theo Walcott. Surely there are some eyebrows raised. I think there's more than inclusion. eyebrows raised. What, what else is there to raise? <laughs> On top of that, Charlie, I would say it's often used in retrospect to say you know, a bit of a revision of history. So eyebrows were raised. Totally. And he's gone on to prove himself. Exactly. Um, yeah. So there's never been a... I don't think I've ever heard a retrospective justification of the eyebrows being raised. Eyebrows are raised and rightly so because he turned out to be shit. <laughs> Correctly in this case. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think Walcott is eyebrows. I think that's too... 
I think that's too much just like shock. Yeah, that's typically... two eyebrows. We'll that, that's definitely got... two eyebrows. Ma- mouths, <laughs> mouths were left open. Open mouth, yeah. People I've left open, open mouth. mouth. I mean, with the squad, I think it might be mm. more, you know, eyebrows were raised when he didn't go with an established centre forward or didn't go with an established right back. Yeah. But now that decision is paying off for Marcello Lippi. Okay, next up, uh, this story has developed in the last few days that Rangers have announced their new manager, Philippe Clement, that this came a few weeks before this from listener Chris, who was watching some fairly standard Rangers fan Vox Pops about who should be their next manager. All, as I say, all fairly standard until a boy of about eight years old really does belie his years. But we should be looking for big name man- managers that have proven themselves. You know, I look across the East End of Glasgow and I was jealous. That's a terrible thing to say, but I was jealous when they brought in Postacoglu. He did a tremendous job there and he's gone on to Spurs. We need somebody like him being brought in. What I would like to see is the, the guy that was at Chelsea. Is it Potter? Graham Potter? Yeah. I think he's got a backbone. There's too many players there having to go backbones, mate. I don't really know, but if I had to pick one, it would probably be the boy Potter. Graham Potter. That is an unacceptable gap in age to call someone the boy, Dave. <laughs> Boy Potter. At least it, 40 years between them, I reckon. As you've remarked upon many times on this podcast before, there is something about the Scottish, particularly the Glaswegian, turn of phrase. Yeah. Whether it be commentators, pundits, or indeed eight-year-olds out standing outside of Ibrox. They've just got it, haven't they? Yeah. They, do you have to be... Surely you have to be, in a, in a general sense, Charlie, you have to be older than the person you're talking about to call them the boy... The boy. ...name. I just... Yeah... Although, it's but quite then, like, fluffy, in isn't it? Yeah, I, it does feel a little. I'm trying to think like Michael Owen, and because he would, he he felt so kind of fresh faced and young when he burst onto the scene. The boy Owen. But yeah, if you to be if you had like 15 year olds or something like that, that still would sound a bit weird. Yeah, it's very young, children, but very amusing at the same time. Um, equally so, I've seen this pop up several times over the last few months, especially as he's continued to make an impact at Liverpool. But Dominic Zabozlai, Dave, has a tattoo on his arm of a quote, which he claims is a Stephen Gerrard quote. Now, he doesn't know when Stephen Gerrard said it. He doesn't know in what context it was said. He's just been led to believe it's a Stephen Gerrard quote and then had it tattooed on his body because Gerrard is his idol. You know, you can imagine Gerrard saying this. It goes as follows. Talent is a divine blessing, but without incredible will and humility, it is worth nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. When did Gerrard say this? (laughs) Could it be an autobiography or something? That's That's... Possibly like a ghost-written autobiography yeah. is the only possible situation. Either that or Champions League Weekly. Program notes. <laughs> Translation. Program notes is a good shout. But what a place to be inspired to get a tattoo. Oh, it's actually something Stephen Gerrard wrote in some program notes before a game against them, though. Powock. <laughs> so he hasn't said where specifically this was. He's, no, he, he doesn't know. He doesn't he, even know himself. Right. It's it's just been taken from one of those websites that claims famous people say things, but no one has the... No one yeah. has the will to back it up it's astonishing or it could could it just be like a twitter thing that went round sometime <laughs> or could it have been from some sort of uh documentary yes. or tv package where gerard's reading that over some footage of him being a great player and he's mm. kind of somebody's giving him a script and say oh, let's read this it kind of it'll make sense or didn't he do his own documentary could it be yeah, it was a gerard documentary yeah. yeah could it be in that <sighs> Oh, that that's an option. But the, just the idea of him saying it 
off the top of his head is just absurd. I'm not saying he hasn't got the intellectual capacity to do it. It just doesn't sound very Girardian to me. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, God. Anyway. Right, next up, um, the latest in what I consider to be a long-running series of um, classic Premier League names popping up in popular culture. And this came from Christopher Saltmarsh. Uh, he says, I was watching Lockdown on Netflix. I had to put the subtitles on to see if I heard it correctly. And it is indeed the exact same spelling. Why? I started smoking again when I went to Paris. You went to Paris? Yes, I went to Paris. I didn't tell you I went to Paris. Michael Essien invited me to Paris and I went. <laughs> okay. My therapist identifies these moments as confession avalanche. Who the fuck is Michael Essien? He's the founder of Miracor, seventh wealthiest man in Germany. And you went to Paris with him? Not quite. He invited the CEOs from six countries. Do you know what, Charlie, as I, as I put this in the running order, it, it dawned on me, probably not for the first time when we do something like this, that, you know, who cares? It's just a name and it just happened to be the same name as a footballer. But I don't know, maybe people who don't like football just don't get this. They don't get this joy in their lives. It's, just... <laughs> it's such a joy, but that's an unusual name, isn't it? I mean, that yeah, feels so. more deliberate. Yeah. It doesn't really even sound German enough no. to be the seventh wealthiest man in Germany. <laughs> Someone's having a laugh here. Well, sure. Michael, there's a lot of Michaels, I think, in Germany. But yeah, all right. Mike, he's back, think, everybody. Not that I can think of many more other than Balak, to be honest. But, oh, um, Balak. I'm going to think book I was reading, a recent book, and there's a character called Danny Baker. Really, <laughs> like, really passing mention. But again, I just found it disproportionately funny. And the idea, if this, if this author had any idea, like, of who Danny Baker was, and had decided, yeah, I'll just chuck that in. It's even funnier when it's a really, really common name and it still rings that bell in your head. I mean, obviously that name may have a particular profound meaning to you, but I think the more common the name, if it still rings that alarm bell, I think that's even better. It's more uh, intense, the experience. Mm. If we sort of step inside the universe of the TV show and imagine that it is actually Michael Essien, I could imagine him sort of getting into investments post-football and somehow ending up the seventh wealthiest <laughs> man in Germany. Like Flamini. And Hathaway to yeah. Paris. <laughs> Another defensive yeah, yeah, midfielder yeah. of a similar era. It's not completely wild. Flamini's net worth was like 20 billion at one point. The whole thing is just very spurious to me. I haven't heard much about his uh, Livulinic oil <laughs> Since then, and that was about seven years ago. So Essie knocked him gone. off his perch. Yeah, it's not, maybe it's like crypto. It was all completely out of bollocks. Right, this has been hanging around in my inbox, waiting for the return of Clichés Pod for a long, long time. It came from Jesper Lindvall. Now, I haven't been able to ascertain if Nottingham band do nothing are Clichés listeners, but here they are singing as if they're a co-commentator who's just seen someone who finished third in the Ballon d'Or back in the mid-90s in the stands during a Champions League game. <laughs> this is from The Needle. You'll be wrong to eventually So don't look at me like that When you're Billy Fulton What a player he was by weight I think about him all the time But he gets <laughs> Yes. What do we reckon? <laughs> oh, that feels too knowing, too coincidental. I want more throwaway co-commentary lines. Is it recent? Is song. it a recent release? Yeah, yeah, very much so. I think okay. it's this year. It's either a brilliant coincidence, um, and if it isn't, and it is deliberate, and they are listening to the pod, maybe we should, maybe we should get them along do to, come on, to yeah. an upcoming live show. They can play us on or play us out. Personally, Charlie, I think they need to work on their emphasis of the phrase. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what casts a little bit of doubt in my mind. Is it, it, it's obviously delivered completely differently in song. I don't think what it worked quite as well. He was, by what the a way. player he was, by yeah. the way. It just doesn't work in music. I don't know. 
don't know. Now, I'm very, very particularly delighted to announce the return of a very long-running cliche segment for my sins corner. For anybody listening for the first time, this is a celebration of the subtle and baffling ubiquity of the phrase for my sins and the precise parameters within which we deem it acceptable to drop into conversation. Before we pit together Charlie and Dave in this ultimate challenge of the language of football, I want to play a little exhibition of the art form. This is superb. This is from ITV's The Chase. And it came from listener Josh. It's Josh. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thank where, you, bro. Where are you from? Uh, I'm from Boreham Woods. Okay, what do you do for a living? I uh, work in sports PR. Um, it's my first job uh, since graduating from uni. Right, what, really did you, what did you graduate as? Uh, I graduated with politics, but, uh, you know, I wasn't too sure what I wanted to do. I feel like I found a really interesting job that I love doing. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Do you like sport in general? Yes, big on my sports, football especially. Who do you follow? Uh, support Watford for my sins. Yeah, okay. Yes. Come and, on. Um, also love F1. I love a bit of tennis as well. Make sure I go to Wimbledon every year as well. So many opportunities for a For My Sins there. <laughs> a good one. It was almost like he knew Charlie, and he did know. This was a rare beast. This was a football cliche inspired, deliberate For My Sinsing on UK terrestrial TV. Tremendous work. Great to see the culture spreading. It is not the first. I mean, there, there was the University Challenge one as well, wasn't there? Ah, uh, of course. Amazing. Yes. Right then, onto the real deal. I'm going to play you a clip from popular culture. Charlie or Dave will have to jump in when they think the immortal phrase is going to be uttered. Don't be too early, but don't be too late. So many people sent this one in. This came in from um, Australian TV channel Nine News during this summer's Ashes series. Here we go. Mouths at the ready. You might not recognise his face, but if you're a fan of cricket, then you'll certainly recognise his sound. You realise how widely listened to you are around the world? I do now, speaking to you, <laughs> for sure. The beats behind the Barmy Army, Simon Finch is a cricket tragic. Test cricket is my... It's my church. <laughs> I pray at the altar of Test Cricket every day, you know, mentally, of course. But away from the stadiums, he's also a career musician, boasting a remarkable resume. Okay, right, massive clang time. Here we go. Yeah. Biggest name I've played with is Kanye West. So I played on one of his biggest hits called All of the Lights. Oh, God. I've performed with Eric Clapton. I've For my performed sins. with oh. Beyonce and Jay-Z. Headline Glastonbury with Florence and the Machine. Down to Charlie now. Last world tour. In fact, we came to Australia. I played with Kelly's, you know, the milkshake lady. Just say Liam Gallagher, Liam Gallagher's band. Yeah, that's some of those I played with. He's even a Hollywood film star. But I'm told you're in love, actually, as well. Yes, I am. Yeah. For my sins. For sins. Too late, boy. Oh, well, that went, as the form book suggested, a premature form I seems from Dave Walker and Charlie just holding on a little bit too long. I knew when he introduced Love Actually, it had to be related to that. Two observations from me here. Dave, first of all, what made you go with Eric Clapton as the form I sins? Well, you know, he's not as not as fashionable these days as he once was, is he? He's sort of... Okay. He's, uh, he's had some controversy around him in the last few years, so I thought mm. maybe, maybe that was why we were going to get it, but... Uh, well, I thought Kanye might be that, but then I thought that would be too too serious for my sins. Yeah, yeah you know, you want, you want it to be more lighthearted than that. Above everything, I was completely distracted by the fact that the uh, the voiceover just sounded like Charlie Eccleshead doing an Australian voice. <laughs> 
<laughs> it just sounded too mock Australian to me. That's what was very distracting. So fair play to both of you for sticking at it. But uh, a nil-nil draw there, I think, as we head into the new era. Here's some semi-sincere football chat for us. Um, Charlie, I've seen a significant spike this season, VAR enhanced, I imagine, in um, pundits claiming that tackles look worse in slow motion. Kieran Lawrence writes in and says, has anybody got any actual evidence that challenges look worse in the slow-mo? This is a phrase that always trotted out, but seldom backed up. Do you see the logic in what they're saying here? Yeah, I guess because the, the part of the reason that said is that a teeny miscalculation, which in real time might not be that bad, if you slow it down, it looks like they've come in really late. So at a, ba- a basic level, there's a time element to that, whereas it can be a split second, ball goes bang. But if you slow it, it looks like it's more deliberate as well. Oh, so, so the you movement. think potentially slow motion could imbue some sort of um, uh, malice forethought in a tackle. Mm. Yeah. I think yeah. it does. It, it makes it look more deliberate than just a kind of accidental, the ball's gone off and you've come in a split second late. I mean, because the one that recently, there's that Curtis Jones one, was there? that's mm. the one that that debate really kind of crystallised about. That of course the ref was going to send him off once it was slowed down, but in real yeah. time, yeah. it was it was just a you know whatever it was it wasn't so bad. But in some form, in some ways, Dave, that's kind of counterintuitive because you know you know if you sped up a challenge, that might look even more forceful and worse. <laughs> Don't just, you sped up challenges look better? Do they look like listening to podcasts on double speed? Yeah, that would be weird. I suppose does this sort of stem from is it like a boxing thing? Because whenever you see like a knockout punch in slow mm. motion, you can see the ripples of the mm. of the skin and the head. F- and you, you often know, don't catch back. it at the time. It doesn't look yeah. that bad at the time. Yeah. yeah. And then you get the oohs from the crowd. But it's not quite the same in football, oh. is it? Um, now, I'm sort of with Charlie. I think I think it does sometimes take the challenge out of context. But but the sum result of this debate, Charlie, which I don't think we've quite nailed, is that this perhaps should this become such an entrenched thing to say? Like, well, this could I de- be quite. This could have quite a big effect for all ongoing VAR decisions. It's. De- I definitely think it's really well observed because it has become just a thing, <laughs> which yeah. feels it without necessarily really thinking about it. Mm. It shouldn't be showing slow motion replays of goals. I mean, do they look worse or better? <laughs> they, expo- they expose goalkeepers more. Brainwashing. Yeah. Another curious question from listener Sam, Dave. He says, how old does an ex-player wait for his grandchildren to be before he tells them the noteworthy things from his career? There's probably quite a short window between them being too young to understand and then finding out from somebody else or Wikipedia first. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whenever I hear the phrase, yeah, he's going to be telling his grandchildren about that in... In, in, t- in years to come. I have this very vivid image of them sort of all crowded around an armchair sort of, <laughs> uh, looking up at this footballer as they regale their stories. Um, but how old are these children? Because they have, they've got to be a storytelling age, right? Otherwise, teenagers aren't going to give a shit, are they? So seven or eight? <laughs> Max. You're both proud parents, aren't you? How, how, how old... How old were your kids before you started? Uh, I think yours, yours are younger, Charlie, aren't they? But Adam, how old was your how old was your daughter before you started regaling her with tales of your Sunday league exploits? Well, yeah, and the podcast as well, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, two or three. <laughs> Is she five, Adam? Your daughter? Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, like because my you know three and one, they're nowhere near the age at which I rocking your little one year old to sleep with just <laughs> oh, this goal I this scored. reminds me of a goal you I scored seen it. many moons ago. <laughs> 
You want them to be old enough to raise an eyebrow, surely, uh, at your move. Raise a the... couple of eyebrows. Yeah, I, I do <laughs> think, I think seven or eight. I mean, especially because that's the age a lot of people get into sport in a big way. And you kind of want to mm. catch them when they're most wide-eyed and excited. I think a bit earlier, though. I think a bit earlier. I just don't think they'll fully appreciate it. And you, you only get one go at it. Because if you, if you start repeating it, then you become that guy who's like constantly telling stories about his playing career. I think if you want maximum impact... Got to wait till more like, I think even eight. Let, let's, re, let's go back to the original question. This is a famous footballer. This is a renowned footballer. How yeah. famous are we talking? Could be anyone, really. Because it's about personal achievement. It's not historic achievements. It's personal things. Personal landmarks. A professional footballer. A seven-year, eight-year-old. They've got, their own, they've got their own phones. They're on the internet. They're looking... Particularly if you're not a brilliant footballer. What if you, what if you pop up in some sort of banter account on Facebook? Top <laughs> 10 worst red cards. <laughs> But you might, might you seem quite cool as a grandparent that you didn't have to go shouting about it. And then your grandson comes up or granddaughter comes up and says, Grandpa, I didn't realise you, you play football. Like, oh, did you not? Yeah, well, yeah. and then you can go into it rather than being like pushing it yourself. Graham Pohl's grandkids, three yellow cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the referees talk to their grandchildren about their... Like, they probably must do. But this frequently suggested scenario, Charlie, of footballers talking to their future grandchildren about their personal exploits, I would hope that the average footballer improves their their kind of storytelling technique because you know if you in a post match interview it will just be yeah you know it's just it's bounced nicely for me and I've hit it I hope they just say that again <laughs> to their grandchildren <laughs> they're going to be like well why have you sat us down to tell us this story if you're yeah thankfully it like went that. in yeah <laughs> thankfully it's gone in <laughs> but listen <laughs> <laughs> but no yeah grandpa's uh, being anyway. weird again right next up uh, we were all horrified. Um, a few months ago when I revealed that goalkeepers or some goalkeepers now abbreviate clean sheet to Clino. Um, still not on board with it, personally. <laughs> I, it may well be an industry thing, but I don't think it, we can accept it into widespread usage, can we, Charlie? No, absolutely not. No. Okay, well, how do you feel about this one? <laughs> um, uh, it's quite uni football. After, after David Rea signed for Arsenal, there were clips of him um, kicking a ball about in training. Um, specifically doing his little side volleys uh, to a colleague across the, across the pitch. And one tweet read, Raya's distros are beyond a joke. <laughs> distros! <laughs> that... there, are, there are two crimes going on here. One, the horrible abbreviation, and two, turning distribution into a kind of, um, you know, discrete thing that you can pluralise rather than just yeah. being a vague concept. I really it... don't like distros at all. It sounds to me like the sort of thing Ben Foster will have said at some point <laughs> yeah. on his podcast when talking about goalkeepers. Yeah, I think he's patient zero for much of this. <laughs> <laughs> Clinos and distros. It's too Australian, isn't it? Ah, oh, mate. D distros. distros. But yeah, it, it, like uni football was similar. Everything abbreviated in this kind of way. I, I, can, mm. I can definitely imagine it there. Like, yeah, the two's keeper. Have you seen his distros? Oh, yeah, horrible. I bet at the same time, as a technical piece of sort of technical shorthand, Dave, you can kind of accept it within the goalkeeping fraternity alone. Yeah. They, they should be allowed to have it. That's yeah. probably all right. Okay, fine. Yeah, I hope it doesn't become too widespread. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to hear like the opposition having a go at the goalkeeper in a Sunday league match. Lads, he's got shit distros. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Distro That'd shit, boys. That would be crushing as well. Just to, yeah. Okay. I'm I, the next one. I'm surprised we've never discussed this ever, but um, it's ripe for our discussion. This came after Wrexham's three-two come from behind victory over Salford at the weekend. Um, Wrexham's Twitter account posted an interview with manager Phil Parkinson, 
and said, the gaffer's thoughts after that comeback win. Uh, listener Daniel Hurley writes in, Dave, says, can you refer to something as that an hour after it's happened? I don't That's think a very so. good point. What's the time limit? I don't think you can. I th- well, but the tweet, so that is in asterisks, isn't it? Yeah, it's not, um, yeah. you know, so there's emphasis on, on that. Mm. I think you could describe it as that comeback win without the emphasis. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, after, just using after it in that regular context. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, yes. No, but I think it would, you know, there are a million ways to describe it. But I think if you just mm. said after that 3-2 win, that's mm. fine. But you don't need to, yeah, because that is like, that's Deeney goal. And how long yeah. ago was um, that? 10 years. Yeah. Mm. So, so, Charlie, let, let's <laughs> well, let's assess this, yeah. you know, with our surgical precision that we normally do. The use of that X is, you know, essentially rhetorical. It, it, it's playing up to the thing that you might have forgotten about it. But here's that, you know, that thing. Do you remember? So there has to be some separation that suggests there is a possibility that someone might have forgotten about it and needs their memory refreshing. So obviously an hour after it happened is not gonna happen. So what's what's the acceptable time window? A week? I, I think even after a week, um, a week might be all right. I mean, I, I generally think that this, that is, is a real epidemic. It's up there with iconic. I mean, things that yeah. just should not, that are not iconic. And likewise, things that are just not that. Cause it will be, it'll be like that performance against someone. It's mm. like, was it? that memorable like that if you're going to use it at all and i would suggest don't but it's it should be it should be for things like dean you know things really extraordinary on the time period i mean that night in amsterdam for, yeah, for tottenham yeah what yeah exactly that more a hat trick fair enough um, but mm. I really don't think it should be... I don't even think, you know, to give an example for Spurs, I don't think it should be that comeback against Sheffield United. I just, no way. I don't no. think that... But but you will 100% no. there would have been a lot of that. And probably in the in the day, in the hours, <laughs> days after. So time... I mean, I think you need to be going back a bit. Years. If, if you're going to use it. Now we talk it. about it. I realise there's an extra layer to this. The that, the emphasis on that, is basically a recognition that we've all talked about it a lot and it's well documented. So there needs to be a, you know, a perfectly natural time period for everyone to have, you know, the dust to have settled on the discourse before you then start thatting it. What what things get that it, Dave? Goals? And I think Charlie makes a good point though, because really it it, it is less about time and more about um level of achievement, I think. Like the the Spurs semi-final in Champions League semi-final I think a week later even a few days later I think the, the gaffer reflects on that come, yeah, that, it's that close. trick last yeah. week or whatever so it's, let's say a week should we say a week a week but then oh but then Charlie then you've got the kind of the sort of social media kind of fueled phenomenon of oh about last night about last night yeah so, <laughs> so yeah. I mean well, <laughs> no, really I, yeah, that's I accelerating it but the I, gestation period of that is now shorter than ever but I think yeah, I don't think it needs a time because I think you know, or there are yeah. some things that you just know are going to be that straight away. Mm. I th- but I think you should leave yourself some time. Just give yourself a moment. And <laughs> are you going to be cool? Because if it's a that, it will stand mm. the test of time. Yeah, fair enough. And if it's not, you don't need to rush in with it. It's okay. Okay. Uh, the challenges keep coming in this episode for you. This came from Bryn Davies, who was what, uh, reading the BBC's report about Martin Odegaard signing his new five-year contract with Arsenal. The report reads... The Norway midfielder has started all five of Arsenal's Premier League games this season, scoring twice, and chipped in with 15 goals in the top flight last term as the Gunners finished second. Bryn Davies asked Charlie, 
15 league goals is surely too much for chipping in. What's the maximum and minimum number of goals required to chip in? I have a theory for you right here. Um, First of all, do you think 15 for Odegaard is too high or too low for chipping in? That's way too many. A midfielder scoring 15 goals, 15 league goals. I think he was the, the team's top scorer. Right. Oh, well, that makes it, that definitely makes it worse. Okay, so I've thought long and hard about it this morning. Here are my thresholds for chipping in because I think it should be position specific. Yeah. Dave, defenders, one to five goals in a season is chipping in. Any more than five and, you, and it becomes like a secret weapon mm. or like a real threat, a notable threat from set pieces. I agree with the upper limit. I think if he only scored one, you chip in with one goal. Oh, that's a fair point. Is well, it two to five? You can't chip you in with could, one. I think you could chip in... Well, the only way you should is if you're That's sort just of, getting in on the act, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You're extolling his many virtues and it depends on what part of the season. And he's chipped in with a goal as well. But I don't think it could be for a whole season. No, you can't chip in with one. That's fine. I'll, I will tweak that. Right. Midfielders, Charlie, 8 to 12. Because anything higher than 12 and it becomes part of your armoury. Like you've added goal to your game. You're basically mm. sort of a Lampard-esque late runs kind of figure so yeah it's not chipping in because that's actually you're actually performing a bulk of the task like Odegaard did last season yeah I don't know though if 12 if that's a bit high that he, all the, comps all comps okay yeah yeah so we're talking like one all in five comps, if you go five. all the way yeah I was thinking because league, be, league oh, I think it's a proportion <laughs> yeah because I, I think league if you're getting any more than double figures that's a pretty sizable number yeah. even for a midfielder yeah Midfielders definitely the chipping inist of players, right? Because it's sort of expected and unexpected at the same time. And, you know, chipping in by definition is something people don't necessarily expect you to do, but aren't against it when you do it. It may have been that the person writing this sort of thought about Odegaard as that kind of player and didn't realise that he'd actually become really prolific. I think Mm. the season before he got something like seven. So that would have been Mm. a really good one. And because he, I think for a lot of people, they don't think of him as a goal scorer. They think of him as a really nice creator so yeah, it might have worked. He just happened to score. <laughs> he actually yeah. scored loads. Do you know what I, I think of when I when I think of chipping in, and this is to do with midfielders, so maybe it could pull down your number a little bit, Adam, is Mark Atkins for Blackburn in the 94-95 <laughs> right. title-winning season. He scored six goals that season. Mm. No one ever remembers him. But he, I think that is a good Chip chipping in, in for That's a title-winning team. In. Yeah, mm. it's great chipping in. Um, and they could be vital goals as well. They don't have to, be, you know, have to go under the radar. We're talking about sheer volume here. I think is important. I Potentially controversial here. I think you can chip in as a forward, but in very specific circumstances, Charlie, back up forwards. So forwards that Chipped might, in with some crucial maybe goals. super subs. Yeah. Yeah, so who are drafted in um, to rescue situations. I think backup strikers can chip in with 12 to 15 goals. What about Ujoa or Okazaki in the Leicester title winning season? They're quite that, chipping they, they in. Chipped, in. chipped but, in with a few, yeah. didn't they? But I think as well yeah. that is a chipping in with crucial goals. Like that bicycle kick against Newcastle, that sort of winning mm. goal. I think mm. it, like, you know, or Batshuayi chipped in with some crucial goals for Chelsea. You might say, you know, about his time at Chelsea. But if a striker scores too few, then that's not really chipping in. Because that, it's, it's, they should be scoring more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Stop chipping in and actually contribute. Yeah. <laughs> if they are the kind of striker who's known for doing lots of stuff, but then it's still, you would, would like you would have said, would you have said Heskey chipped in with a few goals? <laughs> Why is he always Heskey? Yeah. It's, Poor but again, old Heskey. He's the classic example of you wouldn't because you'd be like, nah. you'd be criticised for the lack of goals. It's too much of a side dish. It's too much of a side function. Like he's still, he's still whether, whether that was his role or not, he was still a capable goal scorer 
who you would expect to finish a chance. So just uh, chipping in just wouldn't work for him. Moving on, this is Ross FJ with a fairly similar dilemma, actually, Dave. He says, can you have defenders or goalkeepers as luxury players? I'm, in, I'm inclined to say no. It's too much of an established concept, isn't it? Well, harking back to our previous conversation, David Raya with his luxury distro, you well, are sort of getting more towards that. You can't have a luxury with, goalkeeper. With, with goal, well, sort you know, Arteta talking about subbing off a keeper in mid-match yeah. and stuff because of tactical reasons. Maybe. You could bring on your luxury goalkeeper. But that's more about the quantity, isn't it? That's just having two really good goalkeepers, I think. more like that. In, that is a luxury. But I don't think either Raya or Ramsdale are in and of themselves luxury keepers. You can't have a luxury goalkeeper in the same way that you can't say, well, he's been anonymous today. <laughs> he needs to get into the game. Yeah. I haven't seen him. Is he even on the pitch? I'm trying to think. It doesn't work. You know, like Claudio what about David Bravo? Luiz? He, you know, he, when Pep brought him in, mm. would some have called him a luxury goalkeeper in the sense that like, yeah, he's good with his feet, but he can't actually make saves. Well, and, and Anana's having, we're having the same Anana. conversations about Anana at the moment, aren't we? Yeah, interesting. Yeah. More on him later, actually. But actually, I, I quite like this. So, so, Picking or or drafting in a goalkeeper just for that function and ignoring the fact that he's rubbish at everything else that could be termed as a luxury move, but he's he's still too crucial a cog in the machine. Mm. Can you like, just whole point of luxury players is that team can still function without them even if they're not on form. So defenders, I think David Louise, as you as you said, Adam, I think David Louise probably, but then especially when you when they always just talk about him, you could have him in the back three. You can afford yeah. the luxury of luxury of that mm. sort of player in the back mm. three, but you can't mm. in the back. In a, in a flat back I think it's about as close as you can get David Luiz as a defensive luxury player oh well sure. Trent I mean he's seen as a kind of he does all the stuff going forward really well or Zinchenko someone like that but they're actually not great defenders RIP your mentions if you if you uh, describe Trent Alexander-Arnold as a luxury player not my view but they, <laughs> I feel like those two are often held up as kind of they give you so much in possession and going forward mm. but Defensively, are they a little bit of a luxury? Right, good stuff. Anyway, back to the clips. I love this. It has perfect poise. It came from Adi Dassler, WSAG. He was watching Real Betis against Atletico Madrid on La Liga TV, and the commentator started talking about Betis's central midfield partnership. Well, Betis have always thrived on their team play, but some of the counterparts in the midfield have uh, completely changed Guido Rodriguez has that great uh, you wash all dry partnership with William Carvalho I think it's fantastic <laughs> it's so good it's, it's a worthy succession to heat you know one stays and one goes you, you wash, wash all dry. dry Charlie that makes yeah. so much sense yeah. to me good partnership um, but, but let's you know before we get carried away which do you think Who's what? What does washing and drying entail? Like who's who's the attacking and who's the defending? Washing's more labour intensive. Yeah, but more glamorous. That's the washing is the dirty work. Yeah, I think so. I think the wash is the defensive midfielder because yeah, you're you, getting rid of the mess. Well, you need to provide and then the, the other one's polishing. Yeah, you need to provide the platform as the washer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah dry, that's true. The dryer yeah. is applying the finishing touch. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to use that on a Sunday Sunday going forward. You provide the platform for me to do my <laughs> just do my work. You know, you're the unsung hero here. I'm just drying. Going to use the dishwasher anyway, but it's fine. Um, but uh, just just wonderful. Um, there are not many phrases, Dave, that I would just allow into the lexicon out of nowhere. I'm all for this. I think it's perfect. It is good. The only thing I was thinking about is that if they're playing week in week out together, it's not like you 
every time you wash the dishes is both of you, is it? It's sort of it's sort of like something if you need to do it quickly. Your special occasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've got another right. load going in. The in. big matches. If we really need to get the job done quicker today, just get it out. The, then we'll you wash, I'll dry. Otherwise, just leave it to me. I'll do it all. <laughs> okay. The voice of reason speaks again. Um, right. One final query before we end on a lovely special traditional section. Uh, this came from Coach Bill Lofts. He says, I just want to know for my own internal validation, what sound do you make when the pub's TV is about to go into standby mode during a live game? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a real test of your instincts. I think I would go, because you don't want to make a big deal of it. You don't want to be the one who makes a big deal of it, unless, of course, you are that kind of person. But I think I would just go for a, oh, oh, or maybe a slightly longer. Or I was more, like, of a, more of a Neville. Or a Neville. Slightly oh. longer. <laughs> oh. Oh. No, I oh. think you're right. It's slightly longer. It's a oh. Oh, 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 but also, Nervous. but there is that thing of who's going to be the person because you don't necessarily yeah. want to be the person yourself, but you are also a bit anxious about it. Like, oh, oh should we? Is someone yeah, hope that someone else is doing? But it. I would hope by now that it's become such a common occurrence that I think six to ten people going whoop all at the same time can only they, mean they know. That as well. Yeah. What else could it mean? Because it's not like the dropping of a pint. No one would do that. Um, a chorus of oops. <laughs> <laughs> It can only be TV going into standby. I'm so glad that we agree on the noise. It probably happens at like exactly the same time by its nature every Saturday that the game is put on yeah. for 12.30 or whatever yeah. and it's been there for a little while. So it probably triggers that. Like, oh, it's this oh. time. Yeah, that'll be the standby mode. Sometimes the noise can change if it's context specific though because when uh, I was watching, was it the Europa League final last season? We They go to penalties, didn't it? Yeah. Europa League final. It came up during the penalties. So it completely obscured oh, the penalty uh, that was being taken yeah. in the middle of the screen. Yeah, and there yeah. was, yeah, there was some there was some real anxiety and, and people what looking around and then? like people getting up, sort of running to the bar. Like. God, yeah, extra time. That's, that's really thrown them there. Yeah. But that, I think that's an emergency situation. The oop goes out the window. That's insufficient. That's but uh, the sound yeah. that we're talking about is when there's just a few, there's just, it's a relatively sparsely populated pub. Mm. People on mm. each table, but it's not like a packed affair. If it was like an England World Cup game, standing room only in the pub, I think then you might get some ironic cheers. Maybe. Oh, great shout. But again, yeah. only if it's not at a really tense moment. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And the ironic cheers basically say, this happens a lot, doesn't it? It's just, it's an occupational yeah. hazard, it being a pub. But also inherent in the oop, Charlie, basically it's like, I've noticed this has happened, but I don't want to be personally responsible for doing anything about it. It's like, whoop, whoop. Yeah, and also it's one of those things where you can't help but, even though you know it happens all the time, you can't help but commenting on it. And even though everyone else <laughs> is going to do it anyway. Yeah. Like, this yeah. isn't that interesting you or remarkable, have but. to say anything. Got to, got yeah. to say something, haven't I? Got to yeah. make a noise. Yeah, definitely. This Definitely. is a um, this is a sort of close cousin of the situation where somebody from the bar staff has gone onto the TV planner and is choosing the channel for the next match that's on and it's just like taking and you forever, get a no keep, no 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 keep skipping past it yeah, yeah go back no. No, no, no well that's fine no no <laughs> I wonder why that is is it like, I think it must be something to do with the delay of the button press and that, that always catches uh, people out and they go too far otherwise why on earth does it happen all the time it's mad is it just mad the pressure and they overshoot the channel you know when you're under those white lights <laughs> there's a lot of pressure very different to doing it at home yeah anyway Speaking of TV football figures being abruptly silenced for our amusement, it's time for Keys and Grey Corner. (laughs) 
Yes, uh, Keys in Grey Corner. It's a weekly-ish check-in on a alternative way at looking at football's biggest issues, I'd say, Charlie. Is that fair to put it? <laughs> yeah, well put. Keysy, though, Dave, I, I personally think he started this season on fire. He's in the broadcasting form of his life. Well, yeah, I've been sort of aware. You know, we have people have been sending us bits and bobs of, of Keysy. Uh, and and Gray and their uh, you know their weekly activity over the over the last few months, but I haven't really delved too much into it. I've been I've been saving I've been saving myself for for this moment. Uh, yeah, we've got months of Keezy to catch up on. Fortunately, I waded through every single second of it to create this. This is Keezy's summer autumn. They're not good, good enough. enough. I knew you were it's a skill. That. It's yeah. an art watching yeah. football on television. Well, you can win playing like that as easily <laughs> as you can by but, but you playing can. tippy tappy tippy you tappy, can. tappy can't Yeah, you? but you, don't you like tippy tappy? You, you. <laughs> In excess of one billion euros. I was reading a front page from the German sport newspaper Built Old Bones. Today is what Andre Onana gives you. Is that going to win you a football match? No. Thank you. If you wish to improve as a human being and as a captain, my advice would be stop cheating, falling over every time somebody sneezes on you. Not good enough. Ange. Big Ange, Ange ball, breath of fresh air. Mm. Give him a little bit of time. Ange ball. Yeah, that's what they're saying. You can celebrate that all you like. Oh, of course. All night You happy with long. that? Not one jot. Eric Ten Hag has done nothing. I'm and saying I just want to see him Bosque. What about, what about oh, the argument? What about the argument? If elaborate, get into them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the B in sports social media team have been on absolute fire so far. They they can't. They are falling over themselves to get clips out of Keezy on B in. Uh, so we've had so much ammunition. Um, a real cross section of the Keezy experience there, Charlie. I think. Yeah, really good. Really nice mm. summary. Um, some real hobby horses there still. A little quiz for you, Charlie. Mm. On July the 26th, Richard Keyes completed which very specific and incredible grand slam of sycophancy? I mean, sort of proper football men. Is there an individual? Is, is it like Big Sam, Daishi? Not those guys. No. Would it, could it no. be? Is like the cricket captain of England? Qualities is cricket. Who does he go to bat for most consistently? Well, Andy. Or what? Or what does he go to bat for? More to, more, um, more to the point. Sky, his work is like pioneers of... The, he, he and Andy founded TV. football. More geography-based, please. Oh, Qatar. Of course. Of course. I can reveal that Keezy has now referred to Qatar as a lovely little country, <laughs> a gorgeous little country, a glorious little country, <laughs> a fabulous little country, and a magnificent little country. <laughs> Keezy, Charlie, has literally run out of superlatives for Qatar. What is left? An enchanting little Ooh, country. Wonderful little country. Sensational little country. Oh, he hasn't done wonderful. That's a good point. That's wonderful surely next. next. Fuck you, then. A misunderstood. What, once, I think once he's gone past all of those, that is amazing. Oh. A gorgeous little country. Bewitching little country. <laughs> Fabulous little country. Once it has um, a hold of you. Early August. Um, this, this went under the radar a little bit, but I think it might actually be, pound for pound, Dave, the greatest, most perfect Richard Keyes tweet of all time. This was when uh, Ben Stokes lost his luggage and tweeted British Airways to let them know about it. And Keyes, launched straight in. <laughs> of course, this would be one of his bet noirs. Yeah, yeah. yeah, here we go. 
Good luck at Ben Stokes 38. Mine went missing for three days. <laughs> they only had to bring 11 bags from Seattle at British Airways. Two were mine. They lost one. Anthony didn't call me. I had to use my own contacts. Sat on the runway. No steps. No buses. Then no bag. They're hopeless. <gasps> Hopeless is such a him word. I was hoping they'd throw nothing at that at the, at the end of that little round. That is amazing. Sing, singling out the it's guy. Got everything you want. Sing, it's got everything you want. Singling out the guy, then dropping in the fact that you have contacts to sort of yes. my own contacts. It's just so good. <laughs> Here are the ingredients, the vital ingredients of a perfect rigid keys to eat. One, a cautionary tale to someone else. Like, I've lived Mm. through it, now you have to. A complaint or grudge, which is like the bread and butter. A boast, and then some sort of perfunctory sign-off of pure disdain. And and that's it. Yeah, singling someone out as well. Anthony. (laughs) I don't even know who this Anthony is. It must be the guy replying to him. Yeah, it would have been the guy replying to Hi, Richard, we're looking as hard as we can. Imagine uh, him having to deal with being working in customer services and having Keezy. Oh, goodness. Do you know as well why BA is so in a sweet spot as well? Because it's a kind of faded glory. And it's British. Yes. Like we used to be proud of our airlines. <laughs> Not yes. anymore. Uh, Qatar Airways. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he would. He would <laughs> definitely extol the virtues of Qatar. Impeccable service. Treatable respect. <laughs> yeah. And they actually keep your bags. A glorious movie selection. Oh, magnificent what has happened airline. to BA? Oh dear, so good, so good to catch up uh, with Richard Key's body of work. Got married this summer, of course, as well, Dave. Good luck to him. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, well, that wraps up the comeback episode of Football Clichés. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we certainly did, and um, the, she- the sheer relief of of getting it out there under our belts mm. um, is is palpable. Um, cheers to you, Charlie Eccleshire. Welcome back. Thank you. Cheers to you, Dave Walker. Thank you. And cheers to everyone for listening. It hasn't been the same without you. See you on Thursday. Sports Social Podcast Network.